Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We are going to dive into a topic that is raw, emotional, stressful, and frankly overwhelming for most, if not all of us right now. And that is the 2020-2021 school year. And we have the perfect person joining us for this conversation because she's experiencing it from every angle. Kristen Weaver is a mom of four. She is a German teacher in the public school system, and she's a business owner on top of it all. She and her husband are franchise partners of Burn Bootcamp in the Pittsburgh area. So welcome, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so glad you are here. Man, so this has been a whirlwind last couple of weeks. Uh, You and I live in the same school district. And interestingly, it's the same district that you and I attended together as students. Says a whole lot about that district, right? (laughs) We know a whole lot about that district. And you teach in the same district that you live. So our district just announced this week that the options for the upcoming school year are either 100% virtual or a hybrid two days in person and three days virtual. And it's my understanding that those are pretty common options across the country for a lot of parents and families right now. You had a, a pretty strong emotional response to that announcement. Yes, I did. I was very, very emotional about the whole situation. Yes. So can you share with us your feelings and why there's so much intensity behind them? So I think when we received the information that we were going to either be hybrid or 100% virtual, I had in my head thought, okay, well, when they had sent out a survey for parents, a majority of parents said, you know, we want our kids to be back in school. And I think for a lot of parents, we thought in our head, okay, well, five days a week, you know, we'll spread it out. We'll figure out a way, you know, we work in a district or I work in a district. We live in a district that, you know, has always made the impossible possible. And so when we got, okay, it's two days in person and three days remote, I said, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Because originally, and I mean, this is kind of a little naive on my part, in my head, I said, okay, it'll be two days in person and three days remote. And so I'll be in school two days and three days remote. But in actuality, I'm in school at least four days a week because they split up the district. And so they're trying to handle all of the mandates that are set forth. And they're trying to, you know, make the best of the situation. But for my family in particular, I have four kids one of whom is in going into first grade and the other three are younger than that. They're still in, you know, the daycare realm. And all of a sudden I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my six-year-old because he has to go somewhere and he has aged out of the general daycare population, nor is it their responsibility to educate my child or try to have help him navigate the virtual world. And my husband works out of the house five days a week. He has a government job and the flexibility on that is very limited. And I think it's probably a majority at this point of households in our neighborhood are dual income families. 
And all of a sudden, we are thrown this wrench in our plans of how do we ensure that our children are able to learn appropriately and learn in ways that work for them, while understanding that a lot of this is out of everybody's control. But that being thrown as there's not this five-day option, all of a sudden, I can't leave my six-year-old at home. I can't necessarily call on grandparents to come watch him. And to be frankly honest, I didn't budget for my school-age child to need additional care. So I went through a whole range of emotions. I'm not going to lie. I spent a whole day kind of staring off into space and trying to wrap my head around all these thoughts. And I mean, you know me from what we're going on 30 years of knowing each other at this point. You know, (laughs) I've always been, right? But I mean, I've always been the, you know, find the positive lining. I've, you know, I just make things happen. And all of a sudden I was stopped dead in my tracks and I didn't know how I was going to make it happen. So that was just as a mom, like, how do I, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. But then as a teacher in this district, we haven't been given a, you know official word on how the day is going to look or how it's going to run. So all of a sudden I'm saying, okay, I have to be at school now at least four days a week, if not five. Our school district wants the best education possible for our students and the teachers, we rise to the occasion. That's what we do. Sure. I mean, we wouldn't be teachers if we didn't make things happen, but all of a sudden, I now have to teach in person, which is what I would love to do, because that's why I got into the profession is having not only the content, but that rapport with my students and that community with my students that virtually I can't attain. And that's hard for me as a teacher itself going, how do I build this community up when I'm not with you one-on-one? But also there's this synchronous online portion. So my assumption, and this is just an assumption, is we're going to have our classes videotaped, which is fine by me. I mean, that's fine. But how does a student, and I teach middle school, so I teach 12 to 14 year old. I mean, they can navigate a computer, they can navigate their iPads. But you know, are they going to want to sit in front of a computer while I'm teaching to a class who's there? Maybe, maybe not. And then in addition to both in person and the synchronous portion, they also want to have an asynchronous portion so that For example, those two parent households that cannot be synchronous during the day can do it on their own time. And so wrapping my head around how do I be this three-in-one teacher, I feel like somewhere it's going to fall short and I take pride in what I do. I mean, every teacher does. So all of a sudden, I feel like how do I provide quality education to these students when I'm kind of pulling myself in all these different directions? So I'm trying to be positive about the whole situation, but I'm not going to lie. It's really stressful as a Mm -hmm. teacher and then stressful as a parent. So I'm kind of like, all right, well, we're going to make it happen. We're going to figure something out. And that's kind of where we are right now is like, okay, we're in this holding pattern until we figure out how many students are actually going to be hybrid versus fully remote. And I think that'll guide our administration in how they, you know, choose to do the synchronous and asynchronous virtual portion. Yeah, I'll be honest, I was so sort of self-absorbed with my own struggles. I mean, we're a two-working parent household, and we're also getting this information, and it was temporary in the spring, and so we thought, okay, we can do this. It's temporary. You know, that was the theme. Absolutely. And that's what got us through. 
And now it's not so temporary. And I can relate to that moment of kind of being knocked on my butt a little bit and having to take take several deep breaths and then get myself back up and say, we've got this, but you have humbled me and opened my eyes to the fact that I'm not also a teacher. I mean, that really blew my mind when you started describing that whole other layer of complication because you have my side of it, two working parents, really young kids. But then that whole other, I mean, you've got your kids at school and you've got, I mean, there's no certainty, no clarity around that world. And that's not to say that the school leadership isn't, you know, triple timing it, trying to figure this out. There's so many unknowns for everybody involved, but I really admire and appreciate how much you're having to solve for. I'm sure you would like the superpower of being in multiple places at one time right now. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I, you know, I laughed because I said, you know, I don't, I don't envy the administration's position mm-hmm. in any of this because I know how hard they work. I mean, our superintendent is a parent in the district. I mean, he's not an outsider. He's not somebody who's just like looking in. He's experiencing what he's offering. So it's not as though he came to the decision lightly. And I mean, they put together teachers and curriculum leaders, and they had operational people involved trying to figure out how many desks are going to fit. And I said, you know, barring a magical cure to the coronavirus, and it just magically disappearing in the next two weeks. I mean, this is kind of our new reality. But like you said, in the spring, there was kind of an end in sight. You know, we can we can do this for nine weeks and it's not ideal, but we're making the best of the situation. We are, I mean, the coronavirus is out of our control. It's not as though, you know, somebody wished it upon us and it magically was the end of it. But I think we all in the back of our heads were hoping, well, by August, this will kind of be behind us. And then it wasn't. And so, you know, you just try to figure out what's going to work. But, uh, you know, as you said, there's now this uncertainty of how long. And I will say, and I have to give our administration credit to this portion is they're allowing parents and students to be able to go between the two. So let's say you wanted to start remotely entirely. They are making it a way that, you know, once you feel comfortable into the hybrid, you could transition into hybrid or the other way. I mean, there are some parents that I think are going to start in hybrid and say, this just isn't working or they have their own personal experience where somebody that they are close to is immunocompromised and they don't want their kids in the, in, in the building. And, you know, they're, they're doing that. And everything that I have seen and I have heard is trying to make the transition seamless so that eventually, and again, it's eventually, we don't know when, we can build to that five-day in-person situation again. But I think a lot of the stress lies in the fact that we don't know when. And I know that a lot of parents want to be able to plan and you can't plan for the unknown. And I think that's what makes all of this so, so stressful because there are no good answers. There are no good situations to have a timeline even. I mean, it's all day by day. And that's, I think, what is the hardest about all of this, you know, both as a teacher, because I'm going to have kids coming in and out potentially, but also as a parent going, okay, well, my kid's going to go into a school and I do have, Uh, My in-laws are both immunocompromised. 
And so, you know, I have to kind of take that into consideration because prior to this, they did watch my children one day a week. And now that's a difference because I don't want to, you know, put them in a position where my kid is in a classroom and potentially exposed. And so there's just, there's so many layers to it. And there's so much behind it that it just makes it hard because there isn't a one size fits all. There's not a clear cut. Here's what happens. And this is when it's going to end. It's all a mash of unknowns. You have totally hit the nail on the head. And when it comes to our kids, especially, I feel like when I think about my own life, my husband, adults, I feel like we can deal but it's our kids at stake. And that's why it feels like there's so much on the line and this inability to plan or have any certainty around this. And and we're experimenting, right? Absolutely. We don't have this level of experience with virtual school across the board. And sadly, the indicators we do have from spring, and I've talked directly with educators at high levels who have said, and I believe there's a lot of data to support this, that our kids went backwards. Or at best, many of them stayed in the same place, right? So, and, and I get that spring, we didn't, it was a surprise. We didn't have time to plan for it. So hopefully this upcoming year is a different scenario, but I'm really worried about what we're all there for, which is their education. Did you see that sort of backslide or stagnancy set in? To some degree, yes. And I think, you know, this is my, my so my son is the oldest. This is he was in kindergarten last year. So it was his first experience in the classroom. And I mean, I like to think he's a pretty smart kid and he grasps things fairly quickly, but I will say as his mom and trying to teach him, and I mean, I'm a teacher by trade. I mean, that is what I do. I wasn't a good teacher to him. And then I wasn't a good mom to him because it was this battle. And I, I will say this, I think that our district did in the quickness that it came about to do this. They put together a super comprehensive, engaging as it could be, given a virtual situation. They put together a lot of content. And I would sit there every morning with him and we would go through it and he got it. But I'm not a good teacher to my own child. I mean, that's just me. And I don't want his and my relationship to suffer because I'm sitting here going, please just sit down at the computer. The faster you get through this, the faster you'll be done. And I don't want that. I don't want that to be his experience for education. I mean, he is a social creature. He loves his friends. He wants to have that interaction. And so I think, I mean, for some students, virtual is perfectly fine and works for them. I think that there are some students that can't handle the chaos of a classroom in some situations. But for my own personal experience, I think that my son needs the structure of a classroom in the chaos of a kindergarten classroom, because I think that there are some social things that he's going to be missing by not being in the classroom, which is why, you know, in my hope, selfishly as a, you know, dual working family that I wanted him to go back five days a week, but also because I know he thrives much more in that classroom than he does at our dining room table. And I think that's going to be the, the difficulty in this coming year. And I will say our community has really rallied together to try to come up with solutions for those remote days and trying to get some kids together for some socialization. 
And that's amazing. And I'm very, very thankful for that. But I still have a lot of emotion behind it because I want him to love school kind of the way that I loved school. And maybe not to the, the same degree, but he looked forward to going to school. And, you know, we would talk at the end of the day about like what he did. And I always laughed because every day he'd come home and be like, I don't like word building. And I'm like, I get it, kid. It's fine. But that was his thing. I mean, he just didn't like it, but we would talk through it and we worked through it. And he had a fairly positive attitude towards school. And I will say he's resilient. And I think that this is teaching our kids a little bit of resiliency and, you know, overcoming obstacles and rolling with the punches. Because even I had to learn to roll with the punches on this one. Um, But I do feel like it's harder to get the same education virtually as you do in person. And that's just from my personal experience and what I'm seeing with my son. And again, that's not to say that students can't learn virtually. They can. But I do think that there's a, a very big social and emotional component to the classroom. So at least from that standpoint, I'm glad that it's two days and not zero days, you know, trying to find the silver lining in it. But it's just hard. And I think the only other silver lining or, you know, trying to look at the positive in this is that it's not just our community that's experiencing this. So it's kind of across the board that everyone's going to have this same year of okayness, I guess, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be the best that we can make of it. But it's just, I mean, it's just disheartening as a teacher and as a mom and what you, your expectations are for your kids and you want the best for them. I mean, parents want the best for their kids. And when you're faced with what's not quote unquote, the best, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I really believe that a lot of parents are honestly going through a grieving process. You know, we're mourning what's lost or what could have been. You know, I was reading on Facebook yesterday, there's a a group for our community and primarily moms who go on there and several, I mean, I I only read for a couple of minutes. I'm sure if I spent more time, I would have found dozens, if not hundreds of these comments about parents who, you know, lamented that their kindergartner's first experience with school would be vastly different from what they imagined. Do you think what you're experiencing or what your peers are experiencing really is a form of grief? Absolutely. I mean, you picture in your head this ideal situation, right? I mean, everyone, Mm -hmm. you, you picture the best for your kid and you want the best for your kid. And I think that logically we can accept that this is our reality. I think logically I can say, okay, our district is trying to find the best thing that they can and as close to what normal would be given the situation. But emotionally, my heart breaks. I mean, honestly, I looked at the pictures of what the classrooms are going to look like. And I I mean, having gone through the district myself and having taught there for the last seven years, I know what my classroom is like. I mean, my classroom And I have small classes generally, which is a perk of being a German teacher, you know, but I had pillows in my classroom and I had, I had a recliner in my classroom and I had two chairs and I had my little library and I had, you know, desks set up in pairs so the kids could talk. And, you know, there was a sense of that community and looking at the classroom right now, it's a minimum of six feet between desks. There's no pillows, there's no recliner, there's no, I mean, the they're trying, and I get it, I get why, 
logically, I get why emotionally, I am a little bit dreading going back into my classroom and seeing what it is versus what I know it could have been in in that situation. And I think that I'm grieving what this year could have been had we not been faced with a pandemic and trying to reconcile my emotional and my logical side is really, really hard because I know that they're doing the best that they can to limit exposure. And I know that they're doing the best that they can to keep case counts down and all of that. But emotionally, to be frank, it kind of just sucks. (laughs) I mean, it's not what I want it to be. And it's not what I think my kid deserves because he is amazing and he deserves to have a classroom that is engaging and has teachers who are engaging and love him because that's what they do. And that's not to say that the teachers aren't going to love him and do everything that they can to make that experience as amazing as they can. But knowing the restraints that are, you know, in the classroom, there's only so much you can do. And that's just, it's frankly just sad. And, you know, there's no other way to put it. There's no sugarcoating it. It just isn't what I wanted it to be. And it's not through anybody's fault. I said to my husband the other day, I said, I wish I could just be mad at somebody and be like, it's all of their fault, <laughs> yeah. you know? Cause then, right. then you have like a place to shift, you know, all of your anger. And I don't, I mean, I can be mad at the coronavirus, but that doesn't make it go away. And then not that being mad at a person's going to make it go away, but at least it could be directed somewhere in some way. And it would make me feel a little bit better, but Mm -hmm. you know, trying to accept the reality is, is hard sometimes. And I know that I'm not the only parent feeling this way. And I mean, as you said, like those Facebook groups, people are just, it's just sad. And I mean, I actually didn't even think about it the way you said it in it being a form of grief, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. We're grieving what it could have been and what our expectations were in a normal situation. But unfortunately, we're not in a normal situation. And so now we're trying to reconcile all of that. And I think that's why this is just so overwhelming, because there are so many simultaneous emotions happening. Right. And they're very real. They're very legitimate. And I appreciate that you're open about it, because I'd say more parents than not are feeling these waves of just again, intense emotions. And it's a lot to deal with, but it starts with just recognizing it for what it is and allowing ourselves to feel those things. Right. Because this isn't going to go away anytime soon, unfortunately. And to your point, it's not like we can direct it in one place and move on. It's just, it's a reality and it's important that we sort through our feelings about it in as healthy ways as possible and help our kids do the same. I mean, my oldest is seven and he's going into second grade and he, kind of doesn't yet know enough to really know what's happening. But I also really feel, I mean, for the kids in your classroom, you said 12 to 14, I bet they're going through grief. I mean, they're old enough to also know what they're missing out on. They're missing out on their friends, their socialization, their communities, their extracurricular activities. I mean, there's so much loss for them too. How are they dealing with all of this from your perspective? To be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure yet. You know, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens. So, I mean, just knowing, you know, friends who have kids that are even at the high school level. I mean, I have a friend whose daughter is a senior who literally said, I don't even want to go back. I don't want to deal. That was her control was I want to be remote. 
I don't want to subject myself to this. And like, to me, that was heartbreaking. Like, can you imagine your senior year of high school and you're faced with these two options of either two days a week in school and three days hybrid or three days remote or entirely remote. And you're going to be divided by alphabet. So you may or may not be with your friends. You may or may not be able to have interactions like you normally would. I mean, I remember our senior year of high school and I remember going to the commons and I remember hanging out on the benches. I remember playing pool and I remember, you know, hanging out in the library and all of that is now gone for these students. And so for her in this situation, I think she said, you know what? I don't want to necessarily face that. And I can respect that. Like I'm part of me doesn't want to face what I'm walking into, but you know, I'm going to, cause I kind of have to, but it's hard. And I said, you know, and I think some kids at the end of last year were like, Oh, this is amazing. I don't have to go into school and it's great. Cause I can be home and I can finish everything in like two hours. But now, you know, faced with this unknown of how long it's going to happen. I think some are a little sad knowing that they're not going to have their typical middle school year. And they're in that awkward stage of figuring themselves out at the levels that I'm in. They start finding their real good clique of good friends and they're you know exploring relationships. And I'm a little sad for them in that respect because they're still at home. And depending on the parents' level of comfort, they may or may not be seeing friends the way that they have in the past. And so I think for some of them, they were looking forward to. And I I had even students at the end of last year that would come to my office hours and they would just say, like, I miss normalcy. I miss doing the regular things because a lot of them were stuck in their dining room or in their bedroom or just trying to get things done. And I think for a lot of kids, they need that. I mean, I even I, I, I'm craving going back to seeing my colleagues because I too have been basically stuck at home with my four kids. And I mean, I have a close group of friends that we have kind of quarantined with, but it, it's not normal. It's not the typical thing where I go and do all these various activities with my kids. You know, I'm looking for some normalcy and, you know, the normalcy that we have is gone. And so I think that the students are, I think some are going to be excited, I guess, for lack of better wording, to not have to go to school every day. But I think most of them are are going to have that weird feeling of like, this isn't what I want. Because as much mm-hmm. as kids say they hate school, they don't actually hate school. They just mm-hmm. say that because, you know, that's what the 12 and 14 year olds all say, you know, oh, this is awful. But they actually enjoy their time with their peers. They enjoy going to the cafeteria and having their table of kids that they all sit with every day. And so that has all changed now. I mean, cafeterias have desks on them now. I mean, it's a very, very surreal situation. And I think trying to come to grips with it is just hard. It's just hard. There's no sugarcoating it. And I know at the end of the day, like we're trying to protect everybody as best we can, but still try to meet the needs of our students as best we can. And it's kind of this lose-lose situation. I mean... You, you try to make the best of it, but you're at the end of the day, it just kind of sucks. And you kind of have to accept that. And I'm still working through it. I mean, I, when you asked me to do this in the first place, I said, like, I need to work through my emotions first, because I wasn't sure I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure I could get through this conversation without bawling my eyeballs out. If I had done this two days ago, there had been tears everywhere. Because it's just hard. It's just hard. And I mean, I would love to say there, you know, and I'm trying to be strong for my kids. 
because I want to show them that you, you know, you're going to be presented obstacles in your life and you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. And, you know, you can choose to have a smile on your face and just get through it and you'll be better for it at the end. But you can only put on a strong face for so long. And Mm -hmm. even as we go back into school, I think that parents are still going to continue to grieve. I think parents are still going to be angry because everything's out of your control. And I think, you know, I know me, I'm my own little control freak and I like my routines and I like having control over these things. And, you know, relinquishing that control is really, really hard. And relinquishing like all of the things that I wanted for my kid is really, really hard. And so at the end of the day, you just kind of, you know, take a deep breath, you work through the emotions. And I think as you said it, and I posted on Facebook the other day that people are going to have differing opinions and that's okay. And I think that people are going to have different emotions and that's okay. And I think that, you know, as a community, we need to support each other through all of this. You know, me being a mom and a teacher, I'm, you know, trying to support the students who come through my classroom and like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to support you through it. And, you know, with my son at home, rallying the community to kind of help me on those days that I can't be there with him. And, you know, doing the best that we can at the end of the day is the biggest thing. And I think that I'm hoping, I guess, rather than thinking, I'm hoping that this whole situation is going to allow our community to kind of come together in a different way that will hopefully meet the needs of our, of our kids in that social aspect and that emotional aspect and recognizing that it's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to have a different emotion. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be sad. You can be happy even that maybe you wanted your kid to be remote and that you're thankful that the school has chosen to give you that opportunity because you have a situation at home. And I'm hoping that, you know, as we get through this year and work through all of this, that we do kind of come together and fill in the gaps where, you know, normally in the classroom, you would have the kids together and the teachers together to work through this. And it's going to kind of come back to the parents and the community to kind of all support each other. And I know as a teacher, I tell my students all the time, I care about you learning German, but I care about you as a person more. Like I care about you being a good human being. And I hope that, you know, as a teacher, that parents will give us a little grace as we navigate what we're doing, because it's new to us. I mean, even though we did the remote learning the last quarter of last year, it was thrown together very quickly. We were, you know, made the best of a situation, but now we're faced with this unknown. And so we're trying to beef it up even more and really, really, really meet those needs as best we can. So I'm hoping that parents will recognize that even though we may not be in the classroom with your child, we, we still care about your child. We still care that they get the material. We still care that they are, you know, cared for socially and emotionally. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to make a mistake along the way. I'm sure, you know, the feed's going to go off or something's not going to post right or I'm going to post something, but you can't click on it because I forgot to hit a button. And I'm hoping that as we navigate all of this together, that there's a little bit of grace in that, a little bit of understanding in that, that, you know, we are doing our best as teachers and it's all still new to us and it's all still new to you as a parent. And I'm going to give you the grace that if your kid doesn't turn something in, that maybe you had a faulty internet connection or life happened and that's okay. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that we kind of come together as a community and accept all of this together and give each other a little bit of grace through all of this because we all feel some sort of way about it. I love that. I really think that grace should be the theme 
of this upcoming school year for all families across the country and honestly worldwide. I know this is not exclusive to the United States as being a struggle. And I love that you are wired to find the silver lining because even though you have tons to complain about and you really, really do, you're thinking about community, you're thinking about all the different people you're serving, and most importantly, students. So Kristen, thank you so very much for being incredibly brave to come on and be so raw with your feelings and give us the perspective of not only a mom, but a teacher through all of this. I just really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, we all do come together through all of this. I love that. And thanks for inspiring us to do exactly that. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.